Balance your trading strategy by adding futures. CME Group helps you manage risk and capture opportunities in all market environments. Capitalize on around-the-clock access to highly liquid global futures and options market across all major asset classes. Just visit your online broker and get started. Plug into valuable educational materials and trading tools and see what adding futures can do for you at cmegroup.com slash on the tape. All right. Thanks for joining. I'm Dan Nathan. I'm usually joined by Guy Adami um, every Monday and Wednesday at one o'clock. We call this space trading spaces. It is on Twitter spaces. Um, We also put them in the podcast feed of our on the tape podcast, which drops every Friday on a weekly basis. Um, Guy, Danny Moses and myself do that. That is sponsored by CME Group. Um, This past week, we had a great episode. Guy was also um, AWOL on that one, but Danny and I kind of gave our outlook for 2022. We talked about some themes in 2021, and then we took some questions from you guys. And Amanda Diaz, our fabulous producer, joined us for the mailbag there. So check that out. That was a fun conversation. I also want to highlight the fact that we um, Risk Reverse Media, we launched a new podcast on technology, all things technology. It's called OK Computer. You can find that in your podcast stores. It's OKAY Computer. Um, I am the host of that with a great group of co-hosts, Rick Heitzman of First Mark Capital, uh, Katie Stanton of Moxie Ventures, uh, Packy McCormick of Not Boring. And we have a great group of contributors, Melton Demers, Jared Dicker, Sally Shin, Cleo Abrams. So we talk all things tech, both public and private, and it really is about the intersection of Web 2 and Web 3. That drops every Wednesday, so check that out um, in the pod. Please follow it. That's OK Computer. All right, let's get to the markets here. Um, you know, I, I don't, I'm not one for these kind of Santa Clausy sort of things or whatever, but it's hard to kind of deny. We had Tom Lee of Fundstrat came on Fast Money early last week, and in his note of FS Insight, which I read every morning, and I love Tom and I like his work very much, he literally pinpointed to the day when the stock market annually usually rallies into the Christmas holiday. And, and he nailed that. If you look at just the performance over the last you know three or four trading days, it's pretty remarkable. You look at the S&P today up 1%, the NASDAQ up nearly 1.5%. Um, and you say to yourself on a really low volume day, that's some kind of funny action. You know, it used to be my view that the higher we go into these low volume weeks where PMs like to mark up their books, the higher we, or the the harder, excuse me, we fall in January. Um, but we're kind of in a year here where, I don't know, man, the S&P has not had more than a 6% or so peak to trough decline um, at its lows. We've had a handful of those. The S&P is up 27% of the year. That's going to be one of the biggest return years I, I can think of in the last, I don't know, 25 or so. NASDAQ up nearly 23% underperforming a little bit. Um, Again, you know, I mean, you know, you, you guys know the data here. We talk about it a lot. I mean, you have five or six stocks that make up 25% of the weight of the S&P 500 and nearly 50% the weight of the NASDAQ 100 accounting for most of the performance, you know, and I don't follow Zero Hedge and, and someone must have retweeted it. Um, I saw it today where 35% of the stocks in the NASDAQ are below their 200-day moving average. So all you need to do is think about just the outperformance of some of those names, right? So Apple's up 35% of the year. It's got a $3 trillion market cap. Um, you can do the math on that one. Guy Dami can do the math on the one. They gained a trillion dollars in market cap. What's also astounding is that Microsoft, which you know is 
also a uh, two, I don't know, two seven trillion dollar market cap is up way more than that. Uh, uh, Microsoft or more than Apple on the year, also gaining about one point three trillion market cap. Alphabet, the same thing, smaller market cap, um, but also gaining about a trillion dollars in market cap. And you just do the math there. You think about the move that Nvidia's had. You think about the move that Tesla has had. Um, on their way uh, as they're approaching $1 trillion in market cap. And there's the performance. I mean, that's it. And you look at all this underperformance um, by many of these smaller names. So to me, definitely notable. Um, I'm not sure how much longer this can stand for some of you guys who've been around and you kind of remember the sentiment around the stock market in the late 90s into 2000. um, We saw a similar bifurcation in the markets. Um, So, you know, Whatever that's worth, I think it's nice that you've had you know some rotation of late as some of the stuff under the hood in the Nasdaq has come in really hard. You've seen oil stocks, energy stocks bounce. You've seen you know some financials bounce. I do think it's worth noting that even with you know the two year yield, which seems set to close at a fifty two week high here above seventy basis points. The tenure really doesn't go anywhere, um, but bank stocks have a little bit of a bid. It's worth noting, though, that JP Morgan is still down, what, 8% from its highs where the S&P is at new highs. So I think those sorts of disconnects are definitely um, notable here. Um, let's see who we got here, guys. I'm going to get a little tired. I'm coming off the COVID here. I was diagnosed, I think I said it the other day, on Tuesday. feel pretty good. Had just a bit, a bit of a bad head cold for a few days. I am vaxxed and boosted and all that sort of stuff. But um, it was just kind of interesting to see that work its way through New York. This was a, and now it's working its way through, I guess, everywhere. I mean, everybody you talk to definitely had disruptive um, holiday plans, which totally sucks. I know a lot of families were really um, expecting it to be back to normal. Um, I don't think that the um, actions by some you know airlines and that sort of stuff made things any easier for people trying to get around, but it seemed like every other friend of mine or family member had their um, travel plans impacted here or just their ability to congregate, which I do think is interesting. It is worth noting, though, that the airline stock's down. I mean, United down less than 1%, Delta down less than 1%. Um, same with JetBlue. See, Carnival was down a few percent more. There were some issues with on some of those cruise ships. I got to tell you, man, uh, you couldn't pay me to go on a cruise ship without uh, COVID and given some of the other viruses that they used to have, the stomach things or whatever. Um, but, you know, that that is going to be a tricky case for some of those names. I do expect um, airline stocks are really trying to put a bottom in um, over here Um a little bit here. I know we're kind of working our way through the markets. I'm working my way through the screens here. We're definitely going to take some questions. Um, if you guys have them, cue them up. Diaz, if you got any questions, cue them up here a little bit. Um, you know, no one likes to just sit here and speak into an open mic, um, as it were. Um, let's see if we can get anybody in here, Diaz. Um, let's see what's going on in somebody else's radar. I just added two people who requested. Hi, hey, everybody. there's Amanda Diaz. Yeah. How are you doing? Just added two people. Good. Okay. How are you? We were just we, we were killing, we were just yeah. on a zoom, we were just on a Zoom together, and then we looked up yeah. and said, "Oh, we got to do trading spaces." Why you know, got stocks yeah. getting so hammered. Who's this? Say hi. What's going on? Hello, Dan. How are you? Good, man. How are you? What's your name, sir? My name is Al. I'm a big fan. Oh, hey, Al. Well, thanks for joining us, man. I hope you had a nice holiday. Um, what's going on? What's on your mind? So I'm taking a big beating on uh, Moderna right now. Oof. Okay. Um, yeah. And all the positivity with all the vaccinations and all that stuff would be optimistic for the stock, but it's just continuing to get hammered. 
and I'm sort of in the loop. Yeah. Well, one of the things that's it's interesting to me, and you know, again, I'll be very frank. I mean, I I am not. I've owned Pfizer, and I've on a handful of situations this year made some sort of tactical calls as it relates to expressing a bullish view um, in the options market. My, my view, very simply, was that you know, as I think Moderna and Pfizer's were clearly, I don't clearly, and I'm not an epidemiologist or a scientist or anything like that, but they were commonly viewed as the kind of the best vaccines for this virus. And when you think about how unvaccinated most is as our country and and much of Eastern Europe or, 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 uh, excuse me, Western Europe got vaccinated, you you could see a pathway, right, for, um, you know, this, this just continued production of the vaccines. And then the boosters came. And now that they have this COVID, you know, this oral pill, um, you know, a treatment pill, it seems great. I, I mean, that sort of sentiment is, I guess, really hard for Moderna. When I think about, though, the fact that this mRNA, mRNA technology seems to be applicable to a lot of other things, it totally makes sense. Um, listen, the stock, just from a trading perspective, if I go back and look where stock really broke out, okay, so in early June, you see that $200 breakout and the thing banged around a little bit there, and then it really went from like 200 straight to like $500 in about a month and a half. And then it's been kind of working its way lower, very volatile, lots of gaps here. I mean, I don't know, man, I, I, this is a tough one because I got no skin in the game here, but you know, to me on the downside, it looks like maybe you see those lows from November, which is like what, 220, 225 or something like that. But that's purely like a technical take. I can't really opine on valuation. I just don't have um, any color on that. Um, I will say, though, that if you look at the fact that, you know, Pfizer was uh, repeated by, if you look at just over the course of the last year, um, hold on, let me just pull this one up. And I know Amanda does an amazing job. Pfizer um, was rewarded for correct. the positivity but Moderna is punished because of everything going on in the world. Well, or is it a situation of, of, of uh, diversification? Is it a, a situation of, of valuation? You know what I mean? Those are the sorts of things that Moderna, until they made this very successful COVID vaccine, you know, was losing money, right? They basically had no revenue. Um, and I mean, listen, you can make the case it's not a particularly expensive stock when you look at the expected earnings next year, but you're going to see a major drop off in 2023. So I see just um, on an adjusted basis, they lost $2 in 2020. That was the year that they were in production and they really didn't ship them. And then they're expected to make $26.5 this year, $27.5 maybe next year, and then drop to 12 in earnings in 2023. So that is really a function of what is their pipeline look like. So revenues in 2020 went from 800 million to 17 and a half expected billion in 2021, 20 expected billion in 2022, and then a drop off again. So, you know, right now on, on the current earnings stream, it's trading really cheap on a multiple of sales at about five times or something seems kind of reasonable, but we have to see what is the, what are the applications for other diseases, if that makes any sense. And I know it's really sad to talk about this in this capacity because we're really talking about their ability to fight a global pandemic. Um, uh, but I get it, man. I mean, you want to invest in the future. You want to invest in the things that are helping people. And Moderna's drug is definitely helping people. But through the lens of markets, you have to think about how is it going to be rewarded? Well, it's rewarded with greater visibility about greater product diversification. Does that make some sense there, Al? It does. But given everything that you said, yeah. 
are you a buyer or seller? Or a personally, and I don't own it, so I'm just being very clear. I'd much rather be a buyer than a seller, you know. And and the other thing I'd say is it's probably going to be some really good. Um, there's probably going to be some good pairs trades opportunities. I know that's not a really fancy thing for retail to do, but let's just say you were one of these people who were buying Pfizer, you know, on dips, and that stock spent a lot of time around 40 this year when all the news was out there that there were going to be boosters, there was going to be broader contracts, right, um, uh, across other parts of the unvaxxed world, that sort of thing. Look at what happened or the expectations for, for Pfizer's revenues this year. They went to, I think, estimates for about $82 billion from $42 billion last year, $95 billion expected next year. And you see a stock trading 14 times, right? So these pharma names, for the most part, always trade cheap to market multiple. Four times sales, that's not, a, that's not a number that you get thrown around with a big pharma company too frequently. But you say to yourself, Moderna looks, looks kind of cheap. And if they were ever able to use that technology for um, some other sort of disease and have the same effectiveness and really kind of prove the case, then, yeah, I think that makes total sense there. So, Al, I'm on your side there, buddy. I appreciate the call. Um, thank you very much. Amanda, do we have somebody else here? Thank Thanks, you, bud. Sir. Have a great week, man. Happy New Year. You too, man. Health and Thanks, happiness. Buddy. Yeah, I invited Zubair in who had requested okay. as well. Um, and if you have any other questions here, you know, John Anderson, you are prolific with our content. If you want to step up, I'd love to hear what you're kind of focused on. Um, I'd say another, another area. Um, I was asked this question on our podcast on Friday. Hello. Hey, how are you? Good, Dan. Uh, Amanda, how are you? Hey, bud. Thanks for joining. Always uh, listen, you guys. Uh, missing guy today. Yes, sir. And uh, <laughs> okay, one one question: How it is being uh, a, a couple questions? Sure. How it is being decided that uh, uh, S and P should be traded at forty or twenty four or why not thirty four yeah. when the money supply is so high? That's a good. And the second thing: uh, How it is being decided? First thing that. All right, that's a great question. So let's take one at a time here. So yeah. I, I mean, listen. So. Oftentimes, you know, people will just think about what are the historical, um, you know, what are the historical market multiples and what is considered cheap or expensive relative to that. Now, obviously, growth and capital return and, you know, earnings growth and all those things, you know, are really important. And you'll see us parse through different industries sometimes, you know, that's focused on different metrics. Um, so your, your question is, though, about money supply, about monetary policy and you know, yeah, it makes everything a lot easier, right? Look, what are some of the biggest companies doing? They're borrowing like crazy. They're buying back their stock. That's suppressing their um, share count, which helps their PE, right? And so, um, but it also obviously helps um, their earnings per share, right? And therefore, um, you know, a lot of executives, that's how they're compensated on returns of their stock. And so all that makes sense. So your question to me is like, what's cheap and what's not? You know, if you look at FactSet, they put out, um, you know, some weekly data on their earnings insight blog um, by our main man, John Butters. Guy has a little thing for John Butters. Um, he pops on with us on a market call that we do every Thursday. So check that out. Amanda will tweet that out. Um, Guy and I do that. And um, we're joining uh, Liz Young of SoFi and obviously some folks from FactSet. But they just put out what is the S&P trading versus like five-year and 10-year averages. 
And, you know, a lot of investors key off that sort of stuff. And that's how they kind of arrive at, you know, what is a suitable multiple to pay for an individual stock or an individual group. I mean, I, I know that maybe doesn't help you a whole heck of a lot, um, but it's just another input that I use as an investor or as a trader when I'm thinking about a whole host of reasons why I might be bullish or bearish on an underlying name. Does that make sense? Did I lose you? I might have lost him. He's on mute. Oh, I'm here. Okay. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Sorry, sorry. And uh, I got it. And uh, the second thing is where you are seeing the uh, couple of things. Blackstone or KKR one year from yeah. now, they are already this year 98%, 103% up. Uh, yeah. Great, great question. And, you know, the Blackstone, I've kept, listen, Guy has been a huge bull on Blackstone, I think, since it was like a $50 stock for like the last year and a half. And if you look at the thing, it's gotten kind of all a little late. There was a huge deal that they did. I think it was over the summer where they bought a bunch of um, real estate assets or insurance assets, excuse me, from AIG. And the stock broke out and just like went up like 20% in a straight line. And it's had some pullbacks. If you just look over the last you know few months, yeah. um, listen, everyone, I mean, like for, you know, for me, this is that kind of attached to what you were just asking about multiples and, and, and basically the access to cash, uh-huh. right? I mean, I, I think you're going to see in private equity, I suspect you're going to see a bunch of companies that went public over the last year or two who are really unhappy with where their stocks are trading in the public markets, and you're going to see them taken private. And I, I just think that that's going to be like just as, as, as active, not just as active, but as the way we we're thinking about companies coming to market through SPACs, you might see companies looking to get the hell out of the public markets, especially if that more difficult and valuation becomes more of a concern as interest rates go higher. You might see a lot of activity for some of these um, private equity folks. That being said, you know, it's, is it harder to do in a rising rate environment? Probably, you know, this has been a great environment for private equity. So, you know, I look at how, how do you value a Blackstone? You know, it's trading about 31 times this year, about 27 times next year. Yeah, I mean, seems and KKR is KKR is seventeen or eighteen next year. Yeah. Um, Well, I mean, listen, you know, again, I think like this year the opportunities have been you get twenty percent sell offs, um, and you look to add. You know, I did this trade earlier in the year, and I think it was probably in the fall. The stock went from about 108 to its then high near like 135 where the stock's trading right now. If you look at this in September and then the stock came cracked like right to 108, you do the math on 135 to 108, that was like a, like a proper correction within a month. Within a month, the stock yeah. made a new high, right? And then it sold off, you know, to another 20%. So it's kind of giving you the oper- the trading opportunities. It really depends on your time horizon. Um but again, for a stock like this, it's up 100%. That depends on a whole host of other sort of um, inputs, um, rates being a big one, and just kind of like is it is it is it a good year next year for, uh, for Blackstone and KK? Listen, uh, I, I'll just tell you, I don't see anything that's up. A, just as an yeah, idea. I don't see anything that's up 100% <clears throat> as a good deal into next year. Um, I feel like we're we're going to have a much rockier period. I I will tell you this, and I'll just I mean I can't tell you from where it's going to happen i feel very certain that there's going to be a really scary correction at some point of 10 percent. i think i just said this earlier that we haven't had a greater than six percent peak to drop decline in the s&p 500 this year i think it's one of five years and maybe 50 where we haven't had that happen and you can go and check all the data what happens you know in the year after that all i know is this is that the two-year yield 
trading where it is right now is telling you that the taper is not going to stop until we're, they're done, right? And, and with with basically, um, you know, they're thirty billion um, a month, and then you know, Fed fund futures are pricing in what a fifty some percent chance of a hike in in March. And if that happens, I, I just think that there's that's going to smack a lot of investors in the face in early twenty twenty two that are expecting kind of smooth sailing, that whole narrative that stocks can go up and rates can go up. Um, that makes some sense, but not when you think about how saddled, you know, balance sheets, both corporate um, and, uh, you know, sovereign balance sheets are right now. I just don't think rates are ever going to go up meaningfully, but at some point you'd say that's really good for stock market or stocks and valuations. I would just add that, <clears throat> Well, it may be good. It's definitely going to be a drag on growth at some point. You know what I mean? And so um, I just think that at some so, point there needs to be a, a little fear put in this market. It hasn't so, happened so, yet. So, 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 in, so in that case, in that case, for example, yeah. if the, it looks like lucky and things like that, why not buy, buy Icon Enterprises and get the 15, 16% dividend? Yeah. I don't know. You know park your money yeah, there. I haven't, I, park your money there and get 16%, I believe it's right now. The dividend annualized. Yeah, well, I mean, that makes sense. I haven't looked at Icon, so I can't really opine on it. Well, listen, man, I really appreciate it. Great, thoughtful questions. I really okay. appreciate it, Thank bud. You. Thanks for I think we have Paul here, too. Hey, Paul, you've joined Thank us you. before. How are you, man? Good, Dan. Thank you. I'm How doing well, you? man. Happy uh, uh, happy holidays, you know? Happy everything. Yeah, yeah I, was, I was looking at total stuff on uh, the uh, gross domestic... Uh, movie receipts this week uh, yeah. you know i think we're up 60 percent and F- from really easy comps last sp- year right yeah of course but this is like the spider-man effect i think we're at 95 i was looking at the calculated risk blog uh they they were showing you know they do this these seven kind of different items across yeah. different uh you know travel and other stuff they were showing we're at 95 percent of the weeks ending on the 23rd, 95% of uh, the 2016 to, to 2019 kind of average. So we're, we're kind of getting there. So are people, you know, is this almost like a sign of the end of the pandemic in a sense of how people are behaving? Yeah. If you have like, people are going back to the movies, you're sitting in a room for two and a half hours with a bunch of strangers uh, yeah, I mean, listen, and, I, I would say that's, uh, you know, some people would view that as very dangerous. Uh, six months yeah, but ago I or, mean, listen, or, you know, I, I always thought the movie thing was really curious to me because, you know, I live in New York City. I go out a lot. Um, I've been dining inside in restaurants basically as long as they've allowed us to do that. You know what I mean? I know that they were shut off. And I would say that a bunch of people eating and drinking and talking loudly um, open for an hour or two is a lot more dangerous than sitting in a movie theater, right? Um, where, like, I know that they most of these chains and they've kind of detailed it, you know, how they've upgraded their filtration systems and all that sort of stuff. I've been going to the movies as soon as they, they were allowed to do it. In the height of the pandemic, I actually went to New Jersey um, from New York City. I drove to watch Tenet. You know, I was me and one other guy were like the only ones in there. Um, but, you know, I, listen. <laughs> Uh, anecdotally, I love anecdotal. Why, why, like, like anybody, you know, like the only things that make investment decisions without anything anecdotal are are quant machines, right? And so for me, um, I love looking around and and, and seeing what's going on and, and sort of behavior and, and definitely putting it in that anecdotal <clears throat> bucket. You know, the thing about AMC, and you know this, Paul, because we talked about this. I mean, AMC lost a dollar a share in 2019 before the pandemic, right? And so, you know, to me. 
I know that um, this is a battleground stock. The stock's a meme stock. Um, you know, a lot of these people feel like if they hold it and they don't sell it, it can't go down. Um, maybe that's the case for the for a while. Uh, their CEO has obviously been pandering to that crowd. He's been very creative, and they've come up with some stuff that um, maybe gets some of these, um, I guess they call them the apes, excited about you know, I would just say this, you know, I saw Spider-Man last weekend with one of my daughters in the theater. It was packed. And this was as the Omicron yep. thing was just starting to happen. I would say that my experience in an AMC theater, the one on 19th and 6th that I've been going to for years, is a lot better now. It, it had nothing to do with all the crap that, that CEO Aaron is talking about. Um, you know, it, it was about a better experience. There's a bar in there. If you want to drink, you get a drink and go sit down. In a, in a leather or a pleather sort of seat that reclines, that has a footrest, that has a heater, you know what I mean? That has um, something to put my my popcorn and my soda on or whatever. Like, that's really what it's all about. I will say the broader issue is, is like last night, I sat down and watched this movie with an A-list group of people on Netflix. It was uh, Don't Look Up with... Um, Leonardo yep. DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence. I mean, the list goes on. Glenn Close. The movie fumble. I mean, literally, I spent two and a half <laughs> hours on my very comfortable couch with all of the consent I want that are in my house with a movie that sucked. And I, the biggest problem that we have with the movies right now is that you're going to have all of these huge movies that people will go see in a theater, and then you're going to have all these other movies where people like Adam McKay, who is a brilliant director, okay, who made a really bad movie for Netflix because it was easy to do during the pandemic, and they probably paid him a shit ton of money. And so what we're going to have to figure out, I think it might happen, be that we might go to the movie theaters for like the really good entertaining shit and all the other stuff that you just want to see your favorite actor or director do, you're going to sit on your couch and do. And maybe that was always going to happen no matter what. Um, but you know, so to me, I don't know. I find AMC, um, you know, a difficult sort of one. I would say that like, I went and saw the Dune movie, which I thought was amazing in IMAX. And like, if I'm AMC, I'm making a bid for IMAX. Like I, I'm, you know, I know they've raised a bunch of capital. I know they have a ton of a debt still, but that might be a smart deal. You know what I mean? To me, as far as like how AMC kind of gets themselves out of this and how they think about the movie's business going forward. So that's my two cents. That's purely anecdotal. Yeah. I mean, you might've liked that movie. I'll give you another quick yeah, anecdote yeah, yeah. then. Since you like yeah. anecdote. The, the Chili's two for 20 is now Chili's two for 25. Ooh. So you got a nice 25% uh, yeah. increase in price. Does that include <laughs> but, the baby uh, back ribs or no? No, yeah. like, it's like a chicken salad, and it's it's like a burger and like yeah. or two other things. It's they cut it back. All right. But, uh, well, it's a it's a nice anecdote for you know middle America to kind of focus on, and you know that's kind of national, so it's like the same level across the nation. Yeah. You might have been able to make uh, the argument that that was too cheap all along, but maybe they make their money of selling $5 beers yeah, with drinks. that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, that makes sense. Um, I appreciate all of that, Paul. Thanks for joining us, man. Thanks, all right, man. let's see. Do we have anybody else here? Let's see what we got. Is that John Anderson? Yes, it is. How are you, sir? I'm good. How are good, you, Dan? Man. I appreciate you hopping. I don't know. Have you and I ever chatted? I see you, you tweet at us, and you're really supportive of all our content. We appreciate it, man. So so I hope you had a great Christmas and Happy New Year, buddy. Yeah, we did. I hope you're feeling Thanks. better. Yeah, um, yeah. was concerned about Thank that. You. Also, the fear um, that you had to um, sell your mocking. Um, <laughs> And, and yes, we have chatted before. I think I was one of your first people on uh, trading. Um, but anyway, 
one of those stocks you were talking about uh, that had IPO'd, and then I believe it IPO'd again, was Rackspace, RXT. Yeah. Um, and it's still in the yeah. mood. Um, it's one I believe Amazon took a 10% interest in um, right out the gate on the second IPO. Um, but I bought in at one point and got out. Um, it just it, it just has gone down or just not moved. So um, anyway, a couple other things. Um, I do have an interest in um, most technology stocks. Um, I recently added one, and I just kind of like to get your take sure. on it. The ticker is AEHR. AEHR, let's see. I bought it at 15. It's kind of a um, semiconductor technology. Yeah, it's like a testing um, company, it looks like. Testing, yeah. yes. Um, and it looks real interesting because it's I, – I, to me, when you guys talk about the metaverse, there's so many different layers of that. And so what I'm trying to figure out is where do you get in? I know uh, NVIDIA is the place to get yeah. in, maybe Unity. Um, but what are your thoughts more in line? Yeah, of so I, I think it's, a, you know, we spent some time and we're definitely going to talk a lot about this on OK Computer on the podcast. So please tune in there, guys. You can follow that on Twitter at OK Computer Pod. Um, you know, the whole idea of the metaverse and like what it is and specifically and whether it's one thing or it's a bunch of different things. And, you know, I mean, to me, really what it comes down to, and I think you're right with this AEHR. And again, I can't opine on because I've never even like heard of it. OK, so but, you know, I'm, I'm looking at it up 10 percent today. And that, that seems pretty exciting. Um, uh, but say so this is like, yeah, I mean, what are all of this like advanced technology that's going to really rely on hardware like AR and VR hardware? It's going to take like better computing, pro- you know, like processing like, you know, um, chips. And, yeah. And so, you know, right now we know that there's like these supply chain issues. We know that, you know, globalization and some of the issues as it relates to the um, tax or the um tariff war and all that sort of stuff really kind of hindered, you know what I mean? Some of the kind of seamless nature that obviously the situation with China and Taiwan is, is an issue, right? So what does like the, the idea of where new fabs going to be built, what sort of equipment are they going to have? Um, you know, what are like, the, like testing is, 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 is a great testing of that equipment is really important as you're changing some of the processes, right. From some of these ones that go into a lot right. of different, you probably know a lot about tech or maybe a lot more than me. So those are like, I, I guess it's, you would say it's kind of like the picks and shovels of, of the kind of the, of the metaverse in a way. And that makes sense. I mean, I think finding ways to play those sorts of broad themes, they're going to be around, you know, for a while, what I didn't think was particularly useful, you know, when, when Microsoft or excuse me, when Facebook changed that their name to Meta and they did that whole thing, I mean, it, it just seemed goofy. It just seemed like very like gimmicky in a way. And so. Well, and it was at a bad time. Like you had pointed out, the Wall Street Journal yeah. just released that that whole chain of of emails. Um, so, you're, yeah, that was, a, I guess, a way for the the wizard to pull back the curtain and hide himself again. Um, yeah, a little bit. It definitely know. changed the narrative. Yeah. I mean, from like a disaster definitely. PR standpoint, they went through about 10 different like levers. Right. And then finally they exactly. hit the one that changed the narrative. It is worth noting though. I mean, the stock is what three forty-five or ish right now. And it spent the better part of the last three months really since that announcement, I want to say below three forty, got as low as 300 earlier this month and down from its high of like three eighty-five. 
you know, a few months ago. Um, the stock's a little bit in the doghouse, and we were just talking with that other, um, you know, uh, guest on the program, the other speaker, talking about valuation. You know, this is one of the things. If you looked at um, Facebook's expected growth, right, and both sales and EPS growth, you'd say to yourself, trading about 25 times this year and next, this is a pretty cheap stock. And you think about a company that has, you know, double-digit expected earnings and sales growth and gross margins of, of 80% or so, you're like, ah, that's a stock I want to own. But I guess Guy has mentioned this on many occasions, and I think he's totally right about it. It's like at some point, this company and their products and the addictive nature to it, you could say this about other you know, companies out there that that play in the same space. These are really addictive. And I think that was the whole point about the Facebook Chronicles that was in the Wall Street Journal is that they're also, not only they're addictive, but they're damaging and they're damaging to young minds. And what do we do with things that damage young minds? We regulate them. And you can just think about alcohol right. and drugs right. and, you know, all that sort of stuff. So to me, the idea that at some point this is going to be the poster child for, um, you know, ESG, I don't think their announcement about the metaverse kind of helps that narrative whatsoever. I don't have boys, but you know, when you look at like young boys or teenage boys, the addiction that they have to, um, you know, video games just seems like crazy right. to me. I was never a kid who played a lot of video games at all. I was always out, you know, out and about doing things, but that seems like it's coming to a theory. Near you. All right. Like, real quickly, John. So you would, yes, you would send me, some early reviews of the Mustang Mach-E. That's, I remember, and we did talk about it. And yeah. I will tell you that... And Sandy Monroe also. Yeah. I, I, oh, yeah. That's the guy who did the reviewers, right? The reviews, those deep yes. dives. Listen, it's a great car, okay? It's a great five, $60,000 car. It's fully electric. I give Ford a ton of credit. They took one of their best brands and they turned it into something that they thought could catch a little... Um, you know, catch a little fire using the Mustang brand going fully electric. Um, it was, um, it's a nice car. The problem is, and I didn't do enough research on it. I live in New York city. The charging build out for everything non Tesla right now is a total disaster. It's just, it's just horrible. And then, you know, I had kind of specked it out. I was like, my parents live 250 miles away. I have a daughter that might be going to college 250 miles in either direction, North or South. Um, you know, a couple other things. And during the winter, you know, when I got the car, it was early spring and I had about um, a 280, 90 range. But then if you use the AC or anything like it goes, you know, it takes about 15, 20%. And then in the winter, the, that range goes from like 300 to 200 or 220. So it was a total disaster. Right. Um, I, I just, you know, I had to get rid of it. Um, so I did. And I went back to just a regular old SUV. Um, and, uh, you know, that's just that's just the way it is. Yeah. But. No, I hear you. I, I just put solar on my house about a year and a half ago. Um, and we live in the Central Valley in, in the um, in yeah. California. So it gets about one hundred and five. Our power bill with solar is about two dollars a wow. month uh, in, the, in the summer. In the winter, it's been about twenty seven. So I'm getting a Tesla um, at some point. I'm waiting for that. I'm kind of going to get get my own retirement gift. You deserve uh, it, man. So, so wait, so you're going to do yeah. like you're going to do like a power wall and you're going to do so you're going to do the Tesla. Did you use the Solar City panels or no? Or No, this these were the uh M phase. I bought the M phase stock okay. early. Um and the funny thing was uh the pandemic hit right as I was at a home show um looking at the solar. Um I thought to myself, well, I'm going to get a tax credit. I ended up getting a tax credit of about 10000 
I bought a stock, um, EVRI, which is a um, casino gambling. Um, they make slot mm-hmm. machines. Uh, I bought it at a, a low, like $3. It went to like 25 wow. um, So I was able to pay for my solar uh, just on one quick move. It was, it was, it was just luck that things happened in a row. Um, but the idea behind the solar, I mean, it makes so much sense. And then when you have a car that's solar, I mean, I have more than 150 miles yeah. at a time. Um, but I'm looking at getting a, a truck. I was looking at the Rivian. And when you look at it, um, if you tow something, like I'm thinking of an yeah. RV, you lo- you lose 62 oh, yeah. percent of your yeah. range yeah. right off the get-go. Yeah. So some of these things are just so limited. Um, it makes it, you know. Yeah, well, just, I think your point they're gonna have to fit the is right a really people. good one is that, listen, if you live in, in that kind of like kind of suburban sort of situation and your car is parked in a, you know, in a garage, in your own garage and you plug it in and every time, you know, you expect to drive 10, you know, 15 miles or something like that. And then a long trip is, you know, maybe 45, you know, something like that. Great. Have at it. It's going to be fantastic. You'll never have to stop at a gas station ever again. But think about like I've seen these things on the web where like you've had these coast to coast trips. You know, I think Ford did one with maybe the the Mach-E and Tesla's done these. You better be patient and you better enjoy reading long (laughs) books because going up to my parents for Thanksgiving, we had to stop twice, you know, leaving New York City, which is usually like a three hour and 40 minute drive or some without any traffic. We had to stop twice, which added like an hour to the thing. And that's just not, that's just, I can't do it, you know? So um, I'm back, baby. All right, listen, John Anderson, you're the man. We really appreciate all your support. We appreciate you tuning into these things and, you know, all of your uh, tweetage and all that sort of stuff. So thank you. Uh, Have a great new year, man. And we'll see you here soon. Um, I think we have one more person, right, Amanda? And then we'll, we'll kind of sign off here. What's going on, guys? This Price Surfer. Yes, hey, buddy, sir. How are you? How's it going? Doing great. Doing great. Thank you for taking me as the last question. Um, looking at a couple of stocks here, I, I wanted to kind of get your opinion on them. One of them is one you guys talk about, good old FactSite Research yeah. Systems, ticker FDS at all-time highs. Yeah. Um, so two things. I'll just say this, that, um, you know, so so Guy and I have, uh, they're a sponsor of, of something that we do called, called the Market Call. Um, and it's every Thursday. You can go look at it at Market Call, MKT. C-A-L-L on Twitter. You'll see where to find it. They're the sponsor of that. And we're actually going to be doing a Monday show. That's a Thursday that we do uh, with Liz Young and SoFi and FactSet. And then on Mondays, starting January 3rd, we're going to be doing market call charts with Carter Braxton. So if you're into Carter and you like our market call and you like looking at the markets through the lens of uh, technicals, um, FactSet's going to be sponsoring that. So check that out. So we have the CEO of facts that Phil Snow on Fast Money. I think last week or the week before, the company had just been added to the S&P 500. Um, they had just reported record earnings and sales. Um, and the CEO, $15 billion market cap company, had never been on CNBC. He has been at the company for 25 years. I actually happened to meet him um, early this uh, down in Arizona that he was speaking at. And I just thought the story was pretty fascinating. We already had this relationship with him. So here it is. This company, you know, just made this morning an acquisition. It's got to be like their largest to date. They bought the company from S&P Global that, that basically has all the stock QCIPs. And I didn't read enough about it. I just read the, pre- uh, the, the, the press release. So it doesn't sound like 
a retail friendly sort of announcement, meaning like something if you're a user of their products, that this is something that you will benefit from other than the fact that this is a business that I saw in the press release, it's immediately accretive to their business, which is probably one of the reasons why the stock is up, you know, 1%. And you look at 2022 expectations, expected to grow about earnings about 10% um, a year. And that's also for 2023. And you look at the revenue growth expected to be high single digits and you have a margin, a gross margin of, um, you know, 51, 52% or something like that. Stock trades at 38 times this year, 35 times next. You know, Melissa Lee is the host of Fast Money. The first question she asked Phil Snow, um, and, and Amanda, maybe you can put, um, I think I tweeted it out last week when he came on. First question she asked him was about valuation, uh, which I thought was really interesting. And so in a company like this, that is kind of been a little sneaky, if you think about it. I mean, the stock's up 45% of the year at an all-time high, um, just out of the S&P 500. So maybe now it's starting to get some retail sort of, I would just say like how I operate with a story like this that I really like, and I think maybe the valuation's reasonable. Um, this one seems reasonable um, given the expected growth. Um, and by a lot of accounts, some people may say it's expensive. Um, you know, the question is what else do they got in the bag? How does this company diversify away from their core institutional users? They've moved into wealth management. Are there retail opportunities? Are there opportunities as it relates to crypto? These are some of the things that I would be thinking about, but on any stock, and I said this earlier to somebody's answer or somebody's question um, earlier, I don't buy stocks that go in like three months from, you know, this one has gone from like 365 to 485 in what feels like a straight line. I look for opportunities to buy in a pullback, if that makes health, uh, makes any sense. Absolutely. So let me ask you about the yeah. other one I'm looking at is uh, Palantir. Yeah. PLTR. That one's hovering, uh, I think, above the low 16 to 17 in that area. Um, yeah. So Gaidami's really like this one. And if I look at it just purely technically, I know the stock sold off kind of hard. Um, it went from, what, the mid-20s down here to about $19. It's trading very near you know, the lows, the all-time lows that it put in in May. I guess the issue that a lot of people had when this company came public um, earlier in the year was that it's never been profitable. The company's been around for 20 years. I know they're expected to have, um, you know, on a gap basis, they're supposed to lose, I don't know, a little bit this year um, on an adjusted basis, um, expected to make a little money here and see a very kind of secretive, the, a lot of the um, contracts that they have with governments and that sort of thing. You know, expected to do 40% revenue growth this year, 31% next year. So you're trading at a, a multiple of earnings on that adjusted number, which seems outrageous because there really are no earnings. Here's the big one. It's trading 25 times sales, okay, for a company that's been in business for a very long time that's never been profitable, 19 times expected next year. And you think about that and the market cap that this company has at $38 billion, and you see yourself, I just don't see how it grows into that valuation unless it becomes really profitable really quickly, which is definitely the story. And I'm just like, going to go over to Tesla. You know, That was the thing that I think a lot of people who were very skeptical on the valuation of Tesla – it you know it ultimately grew into that valuation once it became profitable and then there, then some so to me I don't know I feel like 
the story for Tuan in, in the markets is really this bifurcation between profitable companies that really inflected and started to grow at a pace that, um, you know, people were like, all right, I'm willing to pay 28, nine times for that, given their moats, given their market cap or given their, um, you know, essential monopolies. If you think about Apple and Microsoft and uh, Alphabet and, and, and Facebook and that sort of thing. And then you think of those balance sheets and their ability to just kind of do whatever they want with them. I think that the, the flip side of that was a lot of these very expensive high growth companies that were, didn't have the profitability. You just, you, there's no shortage of them. They're down 30, 40, 50, 60% from their highs this year. I just don't see that coming back anytime soon. You know, so to me, that bifurcation between growth at a reasonable price versus the valuations that are trading on multiple to sales north of 20, um, something has to come home, like something has to give at some point in 2022. I'll tell you that one of the biggest, um, I, I think, like hints to why we might see a valuation correction, even by some of these kind of growth at a reasonable price names was the price action in Salesforce and Adobe over the course of the last month, since they reported um, less than or worse than expected guidance, you know, those stocks got absolutely nailed. So I think we're going to see a lot more of that um, as we get Q1 guidance, um, probably in late January, early February for a lot of these um, companies that are reporting Q4 earnings. I hope that's helpful in my take in a nutshell on some of this stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much. All right. Well, listen, Price Surfer, we appreciate you guys being here. John Zubar, the whoever else has asked the questions. We appreciate you coming on, giving me a little help um, without my partner, Guy Adami here. Guy will be back with me on uh, Wednesday at one o'clock. We will do trading spaces. These are hosted on Twitter spaces um, by us, and they are sponsored by CME Group. They are the sponsor of our podcast, On the Tape, that drops every Friday that we do with Danny Moses. We also have this new, really exciting podcast called OK Computer. Please check it out. Amanda pinned uh, the tweet. We had our inaugural episode last week. Myself, Katie Stanton, Rick Heitzman, Packy McCormick, and Melton Demers. We all had these great conversations on tech, the intersection of Web 2 and 3, gave some um, thoughts on 2021 trends and what we might see in the 2022 as it relates to tech, both public and private markets. So check that out. Thank you guys for being here. Um, if you didn't catch all of this, that'll be in the podcast stores under our on the tape podcast feed for follow it there, subscribe, rate, review, you know, the whole jam. So thanks for being with us, Amanda. Thanks for your help. And we'll check you guys all later. Thanks. <laughs>